Hey, this is Joanna DeCellis, editor of Club and Resort Chef. Welcome back to the Club and Resort Talks podcast sponsored by Libby. Today, we're talking with Mike Stecka, executive sous chef of Roaring Fork Club in Colorado. Chef Stecka has worked with a number of prominent club chefs over the course of his career, and each has helped to guide his culinary journey in important ways. As exec sous under certified master chef David Kellaway, he's now continuing to evolve and has big dreams for his future. Thanks for joining us today, chef. How are you? It's nice to finally meet you. I'm good. It's great to meet you, Joanna. This is uh, thanks for letting me contribute and, and be a part of the team. Um, Absolutely. So we have quite a few mutual friends, right? Yeah, I think uh, Todd Solero, uh, Brandon Palmerson. Um, let's see, uh, TJ Garish. I know that he's he's been contributing a bit lately for you. Uh, uh, Wilbur Cox. I don't know if he did anything for you back in the day. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. So you have uh, quite a lineage behind you. <laughs> So now you're executive sous chef at Roaring Fork out in Colorado, but you were originally in Maryland. Tell us a little bit about how you got to Roaring Fork. I actually went to school for uh, political science and economics. Um, Well, that doesn't relate at all. (laughs) Not at all. Absolutely not. Uh, But I had always worked in in restaurants and kitchens. uh, And after I went to school, I just realized that I preferred being in a kitchen and, uh, and it suited my skill set. And it, I just kind of, Went full full steam ahead with that and worked at some some standalone restaurants and then got a chance to work for Todd Solero at the Elkridge Club. And uh, he really kind of took me under his wing. And I think uh, about a year into my time there, I, I was made executive sous chef uh, and things just kind of went from there. Uh, Richard Gillet at Baltimore Country Club worked with uh, the GM Jeff Hasley at El Dorado some, some time ago and, and there was an opening here at Roaring Fork Club, and that's how I ended up here. So it worked out really well. Uh, I've always wanted to come back to Colorado. How long have you been with Roaring Fork? Three years this summer. And did you come in as executive sue? I did. I did. Okay. And uh, it was a, kind of a weird transition. Uh, the chef that hired me resigned a week before I, I came out. So I'd already accepted the job and, and under him. And he resigned a week before I came out. So I get a phone call and says, oh, you know, you're kind of going to be running the show for a little while. And which was fine. Pressure. Um, No pressure. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It was a a very strange transition. And then uh, we ended up hiring David Kellaway. Uh, He's a CMC, um, worked in Vegas for some time, uh, ran the CIA in San Antonio. Um, so, So I was thrilled to get the chance to work for someone else of that caliber uh, after having such a good experience with all the chefs I worked with in, in Maryland. Um, and this works out great. So I'm, yeah, I've kind of gotten under his wing as well. And, you know, we, we kind of run, he started just after me, five, five months after me. So it worked out well. So you guys have, have been able to kind of write your own script here. Yeah. Absolutely. What's, yeah. What's the food and beverage program like at Roaring Fork? Uh, we do just shy of $4 million, uh, in food and beverage revenue. Uh, we have, it's very seasonal. Um, we're a, a golf and fly fishing club, but also right down the, the road from Aspen Mountain and Snowmass, uh, you know, winter paradise up here. But in the summer, we're, we're seven days a week, six outlets. Uh, it's just, it's insane. It's great. I love it. But that May to September stretch is is one day off a week and just pedal to the metal the whole time. And it's great. I mean, we have golf tournaments seems like every, every week, which isn't true, but 
It seems that way. Um, feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it. I've, I've been working on those menus over the last week, and it's oh, it's it's anxiety inducing to to think about what's coming. And but it's that's okay. I, I enjoy it. It's, um, and you can't beat the location uh, right in the Roaring Fork Valley. Our, our property actually splits the Roaring Fork River, which is uh, gold medal fly fishing uh, waters, um, guided fly fishing, all that stuff. We cater those fly fishing trips, and and uh, it's it's awesome. I love it here. Yeah. How many members do you have? Uh, just shy of seven hundred. Now you, like we mentioned earlier, you have had interactions with lots of really amazing chefs. You currently work under a master chef. Tell me a little bit about the importance of these mentors in your career personally. What have they taught you and how have they kind of helped you go from point A to point B? Um, you know, and, and because I, I kind of took an unorthodox approach to, to this career and, and got a slightly later start uh, than some in a, I guess, in the serious nature of the career, um, I got, you know, Todd was the first one that, that I would consider a real mentor. And, and he really, um, he gave the, he put the pressure on me to, to perform, but also gave me the freedom and, and empowered me to, to kind of run the a la carte program at, at Elkridge, um, get involved with banquets and then get into the financials. And that was a big part for me is, is getting that exposure, uh, in the club industry and the you know, numbers, I'm always, I'm always like numbers, economics major. Um, but, but seeing it applied to, to the private club industry and, and kind of the, the nuances that go into that. And I'm sure, you know, and, you know, we're not for profit necessarily. And it's, it's a totally different, uh, animal than a restaurant where it's food cost, food cost, food cost. And, um, so, so Todd was great there. And then also Ken Johnson, who was the GM, uh, at Elkridge when I was there, um, he really, uh, I guess he took the tough love approach, which, which was a good thing because Todd was a bit more, uh, laid back and, and, and kind of let me be hands-on. Whereas Kent was, um, a bit more intense, but it, it made me better and made everyone else better. Um, and I try to combine both of those, both of those styles in, in the way that I handle uh, my sous chefs and my cooks and, and my team. Um, and I have three sous chefs below me uh, that I, I really try to take under my wing and, and teach them the things that I know while also still trying to learn from David and, and learn the things that he knows. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I, I have the opportunity if I wanted to, to go to a smaller club and, and be the executive chef, but I just, I can't pass up this opportunity to learn from, from David and master chef and, and uh, even our GM, uh, Jeff Hasley, uh, has so much to teach and, and so much knowledge to impart on, on me. And I, I try to just take as much as I can, which is overwhelming at times. It's good for <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. It's good for you. If I can remember 50% of, of what I am taught, then I feel like that's a success. So, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the relationship with you and chef right now. What's it like to work with a master chef? I think I'm lucky with, with David. He, uh, he took a, a bit of an unorthodox approach to, to becoming a master chef as well. Um, he did not go to culinary school, um, just worked. He actually worked in Aspen in the seventies when it, when Aspen was all the things you stereotypes you hear about Aspen was, was because of the seventies in Aspen. So he was here for that. Um, and then ended up in Vegas. And, but it's, it's so interesting to see, uh, you know, most chefs, you know, it's, it's all about the wine and this and his, 
his focus is on processes and procedures and and getting all of those things in order so that it's more just it's supervisor. It's not not as much hands on. He, he if he needs to be his hands on, but he empowers his staff to to gives gives them the tools to do their job at the highest level. And that has really stuck with me. Um, you know, the, the importance of recipe books and things like that. Uh, but it's just, and, and on a personal level, me and chef David get, get along really well. Um, I'm actually, uh, we're, we're meeting after this meeting to go, uh, work on an outdoor grill design with a, um, a builder. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where me and him get to do that fun stuff and, and go and design this outdoor kitchen, but we, we have more fun than they do. So it's, <laughs> That's, at least at this stage, hopefully. <laughs> at this stage, we'll we'll see. Talk to me in a couple months, and we'll see. But. <laughs> That's very cool. I mean, working with a master chef is not something that everyone has the opportunity to do. So I imagine oh. you're you're always. You mentioned in the earlier that it's pedal to the metal when you're in season. How do you keep that work life balance? How do you make sure that you're still able to? have something. I mean, you have a baby on the way, right? Next week, there might be a, there might be a new member of your family. <laughs> Next week, my first, uh, first baby, little girl is going to be here. So she gets to be born in the, in Aspen, which is exciting, bragging rights for her. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's because of our service, the seasonal nature of the club. Um, I just basically expect from May 1st to October 1st to, to pretty be pretty dedicated to work. But then the, Beyond that, I get to really experience, um, you know, what the mountains have to offer, but also just, you know, take time for my personal life. Um, we, the club offers ski passes as part of, uh, part of the benefits here. So that's nice. So I, you know, spend the whole winter on the mountain. Uh, we're open four nights a week for dinner in the, in the off season. Um, but as you know, that's, that's easy. Four dinner services a week is, is, is a cable. It's great. It's, um, so so finding that work-life balance is, is not on the day-to-day level for the club that I'm at. Uh, it's more on the, the season-to-season uh, level. So summer is is work, and then spring and fall is is the life, the personal life balance that comes into it. Um, <clears throat> winter is a little bit of work, but nothing too crazy. Um, it's a lot of planning. So the last month we've just been planning for the summer and getting menus written, outlet menus, event menus, uh, staffing. Um, we bring in, we go from about four hourly employees in the kitchen to 25 in the summer. Um, so it's quite a, uh, a process to get all those people here and housed and make sure they arrive at the right time. And so they, I, may, I try to make sure that my hourly employees in the summer still have that work-life balance. Um, taking advantage of everything that the, the area has to offer how, and not to burn them out. How do you build good personal habits so that you can maintain that balance and keep yourself well-rounded? Uh, so I think as, as a chef and, and the industry as a whole, um, it's no secret that some of uh, chef's personal habits are the best. And uh, I think it's, you know, I, I may have learned this lesson later than I wanted to, but and it's very important, I think, to to have good personal habits and fitness and and leisure time and uh, eating right, getting enough sleep, not you know going out with with the crew and having a drink, and then everybody's hungover the next day. Um, and I think that that finding that balance is important because it sets a good example to the staff, but also keeps 
you know, me fresh in the summer, um, knowing that there's, you know, light at the end of the tunnel come October, but, but getting there sometimes, you know, in the middle of July, when you've got, you feel like you're putting fires out all day long. It's, it's important to, to channel that frustration into a, a positive uh, outlet. And for me, it's, it's been fitness, um, going for a run in the morning, going for a bike ride in the morning and, and just kind of clearing my head and getting ready for the day. Um, I think is important. And I've noticed with all those great chefs that I've worked with, the ones that are most successful are the ones that have uh, a very well-defined work-life balance and, and very good personal habits. And that's one thing that I've noticed uh, hasn't ever been explicitly uh, said or, or taught, but it's just something I've noticed. And, and I think that that's an important thing for chefs in general to, to embrace. What skills do you think you need to develop in order to step up to executive chef? We have five outlets, six outlets in the summer. So it's, I can't dedicate as much time to one, one spot or this spot. And I think that's an important lesson that I need to, uh, to work on is, is the big picture as opposed to, you know, a la carte service needs to, to be perfect every time I need to, I, it's important to find the right person to make sure that happens. Um, and that's my sous chefs and, and I appreciate them a whole lot. Uh, and also one thing that I've, you know, along with those personal habits is, is not, not developing friendships with every wine cook and things like that. It's coming as a wine cook. That was you know, your family. And that's, it's an important relationship you, you build, but as, as an executive, I need to, you know, I need to step back a little bit and, and be their boss and not their friend. Um, I think that's an important lesson that a lot of chefs learn the hard way sometimes. Um, now you have an interesting background, having a degree in economics and poli science. I think you said. Yes. <laughs> so, correct. so the numbers are probably kind of fun for you. <laughs> I love the numbers. I love the financial meetings and the you know we we get into the budget meetings and uh, at the You're end kidding. of the year, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, this is great. This is right up my uh, the only chef anywhere. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny. Um, you know, I I. And this is even an Elkridge with Todd. I was, I always tried to really involve myself in that. And, and he gave me the opportunity to do that, but, but it just, that comes naturally to me. It's the, and I've always, cooking's always been a passion. Um, but the numbers and, and the management pieces is, is my favorite part of, of my job. Um, which is, I guess, an exception to the rule, right? So, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I think that's an important thing. Um, you know, Ken Johnson worked started as a chef and and now is a, a GM at Baltimore Country Club, and that's that's an inspiration to me. And not to say that I I want to get into that side of it, but that diversity in skills is, is such an inspiration. What would you say the best piece of advice you've ever been given is? Uh, speaking of Ken Johnson, uh, he, and if, if anyone has ever worked for him, they know, uh, the obvious choice, uh, it's basically a, a little piece of literature that the details, how to make yourself the obvious choice for whatever it is you're going for, whether that's personal or professional. Um, but in a professional setting, if there's a job that you want, make yourself the obvious choice for that job, whatever it takes to do that. Um, and there's more nuance to it, but that's, that's the, the basic message. And I think it's a really good, very simple message that, that you can't really go wrong with. For more podcasts, check out our site, cleverresortchef.com.